Chapter Four, Section One of Celebrated Crimes, Volume Two: The Massacres of the South. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Banstan, Savannah, Georgia. Celebrated Crimes, Volume Two: The Massacres of the South by Alexander Dumas. Chapter Four, Section One. On the 15th May, Cavalier set out from Tarnac at the head of 160 foot soldiers and 50 horse. He was accompanied by his young brother and by Daglière and Lacombe. They all passed the night at Langlade. The next day they set out for Nimes and, as had been agreed upon, were met by Lalande between saint Césaire and Carayrac. Lalande advanced to greet Cavalier and present the hostages to him. These hostages were Monsieur de la Duretière captain of the Femarcon regiment, a captain of infantry, several other officers, and ten dragoons. Cavalier passed them over to his lieutenant, Ravenel, who was in command of the infantry and left them in his charge at St. Césaire. The cavalry accompanied him to within a musket shot of Nimes and encamped upon the heights. Besides this, Cavalier posted sentinels and mounted orderlies at all the approaches to the camp, and even as far off as the fountain of diana and the tennis court these precautions taken he entered the city accompanied by his brother d'agliers lacombe and a bodyguard of eighteen cavalry commanded by catenat lalande rode on before to announce their arrival to the marechal whom he found waiting with Monsieurs de baville and sandricourt in the garden of the recollets dreading every moment to receive word that cavalier had refused to come for he expected great results from this interview. Lalande, however, reassured him by telling him the young Huguenot was behind. In a few minutes a great tumult was heard. It was the people hastening to welcome their hero. Not a Protestant, except paralytic old people and infants in the cradle, remained indoors. For the Huguenots, who had long looked on Cavalier as their champion, now considered him their saviour, so that men and women threw themselves under the feet of his horse in their efforts to kiss the skirts of his coat. It was more like a victor making his entry into a conquered town than a rebel chief coming to beg for an amnesty for himself and his adherents. Monsieur de Villars heard the outcry from the garden of Recollet, and when he learned its cause his esteem for Cavalier rose higher, for every day since his arrival as governor had showed him more and more clearly how great was the young chief's influence the tumult increased as cavalier came nearer and it flashed through the marechal's mind that instead of giving hostages he should have claimed them at this moment cavalier appeared at the gate and seeing the marechal's guard drawn up in line he caused his own to form a line opposite them the memoirs of the time tell us that he was dressed in a coffee-coloured coat with a very full white muslin cravat he wore a cross-belt from which depended his sword and on his head a gold-laced hat of black felt. He was mounted on a magnificent bay horse, the same which he had taken from Monsieur de la Jonquière on the bloody day of Vergennes. The lieutenants of the guard met him at the gate. Cavalier quickly dismounted, and throwing the bridle of his horse to one of his men, he entered the garden and advanced towards the expectant group, which was composed, as we have said, of Villars, Baville, and Sandricourt. As he drew near Monsieur de Villars, regarded him with growing astonishment for he could not believe that in the young man or rather boy before him he saw the terrible Savenal chief whose name alone made the bravest soldiers tremble cavalier at this period had just completed his twenty-fourth year 
but thanks to his fair hair which fell in long locks over his shoulders and to the gentle expression of his eyes he did not appear more than eighteen cavalier was acquainted with none of the men in whose presence he stood but he noticed monsieur de villars rich dress and air of command he therefore saluted him first afterwards turning towards the others he bowed to each but less profoundly then somewhat embarrassed and with downcast eyes he stood motionless and silent the marechal still continued to look at him in silent astonishment turning from time to time to baville and sandricourt as if to assure himself that there was no mistake and that it was really the man whom they expected who stood before them at last doubting still in spite of the signs they made to reassure him he asked are you really jean cavalier yes monseigneur was the reply given in an unsteady voice but i mean jean cavalier the commissar general he who has assumed the title of duke of the Cévennes. i have not assumed that title monseigneur only some people call me so in joke the king alone has the right to confer titles and i rejoice exceedingly monseigneur that he has given you that of governor of languedoc when you are speaking of the king why do you not say his majesty said monsieur de baville upon my soul the king is too good to treat thus with a rebel the blood rushed to cavalier's head his face flamed and after a moment's pause fixing his eye boldly upon monsieur de baville and speaking in a voice which was now as firm as it had been tremulous a moment before he said if you have only brought me here sir to speak to me in such a manner you might better have left me in my mountains and come there yourself to take a lesson in hospitality if i am a rebel it is not i who am answerable for it was the tyranny and cruelty of monsieur de baville which forced us to have recourse to arms and if history takes exception to anything connected with the great monarch for whose pardon i sue to-day it will be i hope not that he had foes like me but friends like him monsieur de baville grew pale with anger for whether cavalier knew to whom he was speaking or not his words had the effect of a violent blow full in his face but before he could reply monsieur de villars interposed your business is only with me sir he said attend to me alone i beg i speak in the name of the king and the king of his clemency wishes to spare his subjects by treating them with tenderness cavalier opened his mouth to reply but the intendant cut him short i should hope that that suffices he said contemptuously as pardon is more than you could have hoped for i suppose you are not going to insist on the other conditions you laid down but it is precisely those other conditions said cavalier addressing himself to monsieur de villars and not seeming to see that anyone else was present for which we have fought if i were alone sir i should give myself up bound hand and foot with entire confidence in your good faith demanding no assurances and exacting no conditions but i stand here to defend the interests of my brethren and friends who trust me and what is more things have gone so far that we must either die weapon in hand or obtain our rights the intendant was about to speak but the marechal stopped him with such an imperative gesture that he stepped back as if to show that he washed his hands of the whole matter what are those rights are they those which monsieur lalande has transmitted to me by word of mouth yes sir it would be well to commit them to writing i have done so monseigneur and sent a copy to monsieur d'aglier i have not seen it sir make me another copy and place it in my hands i beg 
i shall go and set about it directly monseigneur stepping back as if about to withdraw one moment said the marechal detaining him by a smile is it true that you are willing to enter the king's army i am more than willing i desire it with all my heart exclaimed cavalier with the frank enthusiasm natural to his age but i cannot do so till our demands are granted but if they were granted then sir replied cavalier the king has never had more loyal subjects than we shall be well have a little patience and everything will be arranged i hope may god grant it said cavalier he is my witness that we desire peace beyond everything and he took another step backwards you will not go too far away i hope said the marechal we shall remain wherever your excellency may appoint said cavalier very well continued monsieur de villars halt at calvisson and try all you can to induce the other leaders to follow your example i shall do my best monseigneur but while we await his majesty's reply shall we be allowed to fulfil our religious duties unimpeded yes i shall give orders that you are to have full liberty in that respect thanks monseigneur cavalier bowed once more and was about to go but monsieur de villars accompanied him and lalande who had now joined them and who stood with his hand on cavalier's shoulder a few steps farther catanat seeing that the conference was at an end entered the garden with his men thereupon monsieur de villars took leave saying distinctly adieu seigneur cavalier and withdrew leaving the young chief surrounded by a dozen persons all wanting to speak to him at once for half an hour he was detained by questions to all of which he replied pleasantly on one finger was an emerald taken from a naval officer named didier whom he had killed with his own hand in the action at devois de martignargues he kept time by a superb watch which had belonged to monsieur d'acqueville the second in command of the marines and he offered his questioners from time to time perfumed snuff from a magnificent snuff-box which he had found in the holsters when he took possession of monsieur de la jonquiere's horse he told every one who wished to listen that he had never intended to revolt against the king and that he was now ready to shed the last drop of his blood in his service that he had several times offered to surrender on condition that liberty of conscience be granted to those of the new faith but that monsieur de montrevel had always rejected his offers so that he had been obliged to remain under arms in order to deliver those who were in prison and to gain permission for those who were free to worship god in their own way he said these things in an unembarrassed and graceful manner hat in hand then passing through the crowd which had gathered outside the garden of the recollet he repaired to the hotel de la poste for lunch and afterwards walked along the esplanade to the house of one guy billard a gardener who was his head prophet's father as he thus moved about he was preceded by two commissars with drawn swords who made way for him and several ladies were presented to him who were happy to touch his doublet the visit over he once again passed along the esplanade still preceded by his two commissards and just as he passed the little convent he and those with him struck up a psalm tune and continued singing till they reached saint cesaire where the hostages were these he at once sent back five hundred persons from nimes were awaiting him refreshments were offered to him which he accepted gratefully thanking all those who had gathered together to meet him at last he went off to saint denois where he was to sup and sleep but before going to bed he offered up supplications in a loud voice for the king for monsieur de villars for monsieur de lalande and even for monsieur de baville 
the next morning cavalier according to promise sent a copy of his demands to monsieur de villars who caused it to be laid before the king along with a full report of all that had passed at the interview at nimes as soon as the young chief had sent off his missive he rejoined his troops at tarnac and related all that had passed to roland urging him to follow his example that night he slept at sauve having passed through dorfort at the head of his men a captain of dragoons named montgros with twenty-five soldiers accompanying him everywhere by monsieur de villars orders and seeing that the villages through which they passed furnished him with all that was needed they left sauve on may sixteenth very early in the morning in order to get to Cavisson, which as our readers may remember was the place appointed for the residence of cavalier during the truce in passing through Quisac, where they stopped for refreshments they were joined by castanet who delivered a long sermon at which all the protestants of the neighborhood were present the two battalions of the charolais regiment which were quartered at calvisson had received orders on the evening of the seventeenth to march out next morning so as to make room for the commissards on the eighteenth the head of the commissary department vincel ordered suitable accommodation to be provided for cavalier and his troops the muster roll being in the hands of monsieur d'aglière it would be sent by him or brought in the course of the day in the meantime vans were arriving filled with all sorts of provisions followed by droves of cattle while a commissary and several clerks charged with the distribution of rations brought up the rear on the nineteenth catenat accompanied by twelve commissards rode into town and was met at the barrier by the commandant and eighty townspeople as soon as the little band came in sight the commandant reiterated his orders that nothing should be said or done in the town on pain of corporal punishment that could offend the commissards at one o'clock p m baron d'agliers arrived followed in his turn by the chief of the commissariat vincel and captain capon two other officers named viala and despuch and six dragoons these were the hostages cavalier had given at six o'clock there was heard a great noise and shouts of cavalier cavalier resounded on all sides the young sevenol was in sight and the whole population hastened to meet him he rode at the head of his cavalry the infantry following and the whole number about six hundred men sang psalms in a loud voice when they reached the church cavalier drew up before it with all his men in review order and for some time the singing went on when it stopped a long prayer was offered up which was most edifying to all the bystanders and this being over cavalier went to the quarters assigned him which were in the best house in Cavisson. arrived there he sent out for a dozen loaves that he might judge how his men were going to be fed not finding them white enough he complained to monsieur vincel whom he sent for and who promised that in future the bread should be of a better quality having received this assurance cavalier gave orders that the loaves in hand should be distributed for that day but probably fearing poison he first made monsieur de vincel and his clerks taste them in his presence these duties accomplished he visited in person all the gates of the town placed guards and posted sentinels at all the entrances and along all the avenues the most advanced being three-quarters of a league from the town besides this he placed guards in the streets and a sentinel at each door of the house he occupied in addition thirty guards always slept outside the door of his bedroom and these accompanied him as an escort when he went out not that he was afraid for he was not of a mistrustful character but that he thought it politic to give people an exalted idea of his importance 
as to the soldiers they were billeted on the inhabitants and received each as daily rations a pound of meat a quart of wine and two and a half pounds of bread the same day a convocation was held on the site of the old meeting-house which had been destroyed by the catholics it was a very numerous assembly to which crowds of people came from all parts but on the following days it was still more numerous for as the news spread people ran with great eagerness to hear the preaching of the word of which they had been so long deprived d'agliers tells us in his memoirs that no one could help being touched to see a whole people just escaped from fire and sword coming together in multitudes to mingle their tears and sighs so famished were they for the manna divine that they were like people coming out of a besieged city after a long and cruel famine to whom peace has brought food in abundance and who first devouring it with their eyes then throw themselves on it devouring it bodily meat bread and fruit as it comes to hand so it was with the unfortunate habitants of lavenage and even of places more distant still they saw their brethren assembling in the meadows and at the gates of calvisson gathering in crowds and pressing round any one who started singing a psalm until at last four or five thousand persons singing weeping and praying were gathered together and remained there all day supplicating god with a devotion that went to every heart and made a deep impression all night the same things went on nothing was to be heard but preaching singing praying and prophesying but if it was a time of joy for the protestants it was a time of humiliation for the catholics certainly says a contemporary historian it was a very surprising thing and quite a novelty to see in a province like languedoc where so many troops were quartered such a large number of villains all murderers incendiaries and guilty of sacrilege gathered together in one place by permission of those in command of the troops tolerated in their eccentricities fed at the public expense flattered by every one and courteously received by people sent specially to meet them one of those who was most indignant at this state of things was monsieur de baville he was so eager to put an end to it that he went to see the governor and told him the scandal was becoming too great in his opinion the assemblies ought to be put an end to by allowing the troops to fall upon them and disperse them but the governor thought quite otherwise and told baville that to act according to his advice would be to set fire to the province again and to scatter for ever people whom they had got together with such difficulty in any case he reminded baville that what he objected to would be over in a few days his opinion was that de baville might stifle the expression of his dissatisfaction for a little to bring about a great good more than that added the marechal the impatience of the priests is most ridiculous besides your remonstrances of which i hope i have now heard the last i have received numberless letters full of such complaints that it would seem as if the prayers of the commissards not only grated on the ears of the clergy but flayed them alive i should like above everything to find out the writers of these letters in order to have them flogged but they have taken good care to put no signatures i regard it as a very great impertinence for those who cause these disturbances to grumble and express their disapproval at my efforts to bring them to an end after this speech monsieur de baville saw there was nothing for him to do but to let things take their course the course that they took turned cavalier's head more and more for thanks to the injunctions of monsieur de villars 
all the orders that cavalier gave were obeyed as if they had been issued by the governor himself he had a court like a prince lieutenants like a general and secretaries like a statesman it was the duty of one secretary to give leave of absence to those commissars who had business to attend to or who desired to visit their relations the following is a copy of the form used for these passports we the undersigned secretary to brother cavalier generalissimo of the huguenots permit by this order given by him to absent himself on business for three days signed dupont calvisson and these safe conducts were as much respected as if they had been signed marechal de villars on the twenty-second monsieur de saint pierre arrived from the court bringing the reply of the king to the proposals which cavalier had submitted to monsieur de lalande what this reply was did not transpire probably it was not in harmony with the pacific intentions of the marechal at last on the twenty-fifth the answer to the demands which cavalier had made to monsieur de villars himself arrived the original paper written by the commissaire chief himself had been sent to louis the fourteenth and he returned it with notes in his own writing thus these two hands to one of which belonged the shepherd's crook and to the other the sceptre had rested on the same sheet of paper the following is the text of the agreement as given by cavalier in his memoirs the humble petition of the reformers of languedoc to the king one that it may please the king to grant us liberty of conscience throughout the province and to permit us to hold religious meetings in every suitable place except fortified places and walled cities granted on condition that no churches be built two that all those in prison or at the galleys who have been sent there since the revocation of the edict of nantes because of their religion be set at liberty within six weeks from the date of this petition granted three that all those who have left the kingdom because of their religion be allowed to return in freedom and safety and that their goods and privileges be restored to them granted on condition that they take the oath of fidelity to the king four that the parliament of languedoc be re-established on its ancient footing and with all its former privileges the king reserves decision on this point five that the province of languedoc be exempted from the poll tax for ten years this to apply to catholics and protestants alike both sides having equally suffered refused six that the cities of perpignan montpellier set and agmort be assigned us as cities of refuge refused seven that the inhabitants of the Cévennes, whose houses were burnt or otherwise destroyed during the war be exempt from taxes for seven years granted eight that it may please his majesty to permit cavalier to choose two thousand men both from among his own troops and from among those who may be delivered from the prisons and galleys to form a regiment of dragoons for the service of his majesty and that this regiment when formed may at once be ordered to serve his majesty in portugal granted on condition that all the huguenots everywhere lay down their arms the king will permit them to live quietly in the free exercise of their religion i had been a week at calvisson says cavalier in his memoirs when i received a letter from monsieur le marechal de villars ordering me to repair to nimes as he wished to see me the answer to my demands having arrived i obeyed at once and was very much displeased to find that several of my demands 
and in particular the one relating to the cities of refuge had been refused but monsieur le marechal assured me that the king's word was better than twenty cities of refuge and that after all the trouble we had given him we should regard it as showing great clemency on his part that he had granted us the greater part of what we had asked this reasoning was not entirely convincing but as there was no more time for deliberation and as i was as anxious for peace as the king himself i decided to accept gracefully what was offered all the further advantage that cavalier could obtain from monsieur de villars was that the treaty should bear the date of the day on which it had been drawn up in this manner the prisoners who were to be set at liberty in six weeks gained one week monsieur de villars wrote at the bottom of the treaty which was signed the same day by him and monsieur de baville on the part of the king and by cavalier and daniel billard on the part of the protestants the following ratification in virtue of the plenary powers which we have received from the king we have granted to the reformers of languedoc the articles above made known marechal de villars j cavalier lemoignon de baville daniel billard given at nimes the seventeenth of may seventeen o four these two signatures all unworthy as they were to stand beside their own gave such great delight to messieurs de villars and de baville that they at once sent off fresh orders to cavisson that the wants of the commissard should be abundantly supplied until the articles of the treaty were executed that is to say until the prisoners and the galley slaves were set at liberty which according to the article two of the treaty would be within the next six weeks as to cavalier the marechal gave him on the spot a commission as colonel with a pension of twelve hundred livres attached and the power of nominating the subordinate officers in his regiment at the same time he handed him a captain's commission for his young brother cavalier drew up the muster roll of the regiment the same day and gave it to the marechal it was to consist of seven hundred and twelve men forming fifteen companies with sixteen captains sixteen lieutenants a sergeant-major and a surgeon-major while all this was happening roland taking advantage of the suspension of hostilities was riding up and down the province as if he were viceroy of the cevennes and wherever he appeared he had a magnificent reception like cavalier he gave leave of absence and furnished escorts and held himself haughtily sure that he too would soon be negotiating treaties on terms of equality with marshals of france and governors of provinces but roland was much mistaken monsieur de villars had made great concessions to the popularity of cavalier but they were the last he intended to make so instead of being in his turn summoned to nimes or Uza to confer with monsieur de villars roland merely received an intimation from cavalier that he desired to speak with him on important business they met near Andouze, and cavalier faithful to the promise given to monsieur de villars neglected no argument that he could think of to induce roland to follow his example but roland would listen to nothing then when cavalier saw that arguments and promises were of no avail he raised his voice in anger but roland laying his hand on his shoulder told him that his head was turned that he should remember that he roland was his senior in command and therefore bound by nothing that had been promised in his name by his junior and that he had registered a vow in heaven that nothing would persuade him to make peace unless complete liberty of conscience were granted to all the young Sevenol, who was unaccustomed to such language laid his hand on the hilt of his sword roland stepping back drew his and the consultation would have ended in a duel if the prophets had not thrown themselves between them and succeeded in getting roland to consent 
to one of their number, a man much esteemed among the Huguenots named Salomon, going back to Nimes with Cavalier to learn from Monsieur de Villard's own mouth what the exact terms were which Cavalier had accepted and now offered to Roland. In a couple of hours, Cavalier and Salomon set out together and arrived at Nimes on the 27th May, escorted by 25 men. They halted at the Tower of Magne, and the Protestants of the city came out to meet them, bringing refreshments. Then, after prayers and a hasty meal, they advanced to the barracks and crossed the courtyards. The concourse of people and the enthusiasm was no whit less than on Cavalier's first entry, more than three hundred persons kissing his hands and knees. Cavalier was dressed on this occasion in a doublet of grey cloth, and a beaver hat laced with gold and adorned with a white feather. Cavalier and his travelling companion went direct to the garden of the Recollet, and hardly had they got there than Monsieurs de Villars and de Baville, accompanied by Lalande and Sandra Court, came out to meet them. The conference lasted three hours, but all that could be learned of the result was that Salomon had declared that his brethren would never lay down their arms till full liberty of conscience had been secured to them. In consequence of this declaration, it was decided that Cavalier and his regiment should be dispatched to Spain without delay, in order to weaken the Calvinist forces to that extent. Meantime, Salomon was sent back to Roland, with a positive promise that if he would surrender, as Cavalier had done, he would be granted the same conditions, that is to say, receive a commission as colonel, have the right to name the officers of his regiment, and receive a pension of 1,200 livres. On quitting the Garden of Recollette, Cavalier found as great a crowd as ever waiting for him, and so closely did they press on him that two of his men were obliged to ride before him, with drawn sabres to clear a way for him till the Montpellier road was reached. He lay that night at Langlade in order to rejoin his troops early next morning. But during his absence things had happened among these men, who had hitherto obeyed him blindly, which he little expected. He had left, as usual, Ravenel in command, but hardly had he ridden away when Ravenel began to take all kinds of precautions, ordering the men not to lay aside their arms. The negotiations with Monsieur de Villar had made him most anxious. He looked upon all the promises given as snares, and he regarded the compromise favored by his chief as a defection on Cavalier's part. He therefore called all the officers and men together, told them of his fears, and ended by imbuing them with his suspicions. This was all the more easily done, as it was very well known that Cavalier had joined the Huguenots less from devotion to the cause than to avenge a private wrong, and on many occasions had given rise to the remark that he had more genius than religion. So on getting back to Calvisson, the young chief found his principal officers, Ravenel at their head, drawn up in the marketplace waiting for him. As soon as he drew near, they told him that they were determined to know at once what were the conditions of the treaty he had signed with the Marechal? They had made up their minds to have a plain answer without delay. Such a way of speaking to him was so strange and unexpected that Cavalier shrugged his shoulders and replied that such matters were no business of theirs, being too high for their intelligence, that it was his business to decide what course to take and theirs to take it. It had always been so in the past, and with the help of God and his own, Cavalier's goodwill, it should still be so in the future and having so spoken, he told them to disperse. Ravenel upon this came forward, and in the name of all the others said they would not go away until they knew what orders Cavalier was about to give the troops, that they might consult among themselves whether they should obey them or not. 
this insubordination was too much for cavalier's patience the orders are he said to put on the uniforms that are being made for you and to follow me to portugal the effect of such words on men who were expecting nothing less than the reenactment of the edict of nantes can be easily imagined the words coward and traitor could be distinguished above the murmurs as cavalier noticed with increasing astonishment raising himself in his stirrups and glancing round with that look before which they had been used to tremble he asked in a voice as calm as if all the demons of anger were not raging in his heart who called jean cavalier traitor and coward i said ravenel crossing his arms on his breast cavalier drew a pistol from his holsters and striking those near him with the butt end opened a way towards his lieutenant who drew his sword but at this moment the commissary-general vincel and captain capon threw themselves between the two and asked the cause of the quarrel the cause said ravenel is that the cadets of the cross led by the hermit have just knocked out the brains of two of our brethren who were coming to join us and are hindering others from attending our meetings to worship god the conditions of the truce having been thus broken is it likely they will keep those of the treaty we refuse to accept the treaty sir said vincel if the hermit has done what you say it is against the orders of the marechal and the misdoer will be punished besides the large number of strangers at present in cavisson ought to be sufficient proof that no attempt has been made to prevent the new converts from coming to town and it seems to me that you have been too easily led to believe everything that malicious people have told you i believe what i choose to believe said ravenel impatiently but what i know and say is that i shall never lay down arms till the king grants us full liberty of conscience permission to rebuild our places of worship and sends us back all prisoners and exiles but judging by your tone said cavalier who had till now remained silent while toying with his pistol you seem to be in command here have we changed parts without my being aware it is possible said ravenel cavalier burst out laughing it seems to astonish you said ravenel but it is true make peace for yourself lay down what conditions suit you sell yourself for whatever you will bring my only reply is you are a coward and a traitor but as to the troops they will not lay down arms except on the conditions formulated by me cavalier tried to get at ravenel but seeing from his paleness and his smile that terrible things would happen if he reached his lieutenant vincel and capon backed by some commissards threw themselves before his horse just then the whole band shouted with one voice no peace no peace no reconciliation till our temples are restored cavalier then saw for the first time that things were more serious than he had believed but vincel capon berly and about twenty commissards surrounding the young chief and forced him to enter a house it was the house of vincel they had hardly got indoors when the generale was sounded resisting all entreaties cavalier sprang to the door but was detained by berly who said that the first thing he ought to do was to write monsieur de villars on account of what had happened who would then take measures to put things straight you are right said cavalier as i have so many enemies the general might be told if i were killed that i had broken my word give me pen and ink writing materials were brought and he wrote to monsieur de villars here he said giving the letter unsealed to vincel set out for nimes and give this to the marechal and tell him if i am killed in the attempt i am about to make i died his humble servant with these words he darted out of the house and mounted his horse being met at the door by twelve to fifteen men who had remained faithful to him 
he asked them where ravenel and his troops were not seeing a single commissard in the streets one of the soldiers answered that they were probably still in town but that they were moving towards les garrigues de Cavisson. cavalier set off at a gallop to overtake them End of chapter four section one reading by john van stan savannah georgia